Hello and welcome to JLGB Virtual We Are Live. As part of JLGB's recent adjustments to the coronavirus lockdown, we have been helping parents and young people stay entertained and active all online. In order to adapt our delivery to the government restrictions, on the 23rd of March, we launched JLGB Virtual, which runs every Monday to Thursday evening. This is our way of ensuring that we can continue to delight, inform and entertain young people so that they can have some fun, learn new skills and make a difference. Sessions include skills like magic, upcycling and coding. Physical activities and the focus of this podcast series, interviews with expert speakers from a range of backgrounds, including famous actors, social entrepreneurs, government ministers and many more. These interviews are run by young people like myself. So if you have any questions or want to get involved, please reach out to us on any social media platform. Just look for JLGBHQ and message us. We have so many exciting guests for you to listen to and we hope you'll join us live very soon. For now though, join us through our catalogue of guests. Today's guest is Ruth Marvel, CEO of the world's leading achievement award for young people, the Duke of Edinburgh's award. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy. Ruth Marvel is a British charity leader, activist, and innovator. She is a trustee for both Good Gym and Riders for Health, was the former acting CEO of Girl Guiding, and now the CEO of the Duke of Edinburgh's award, an organization and award scheme that proudly sits at the very heart of JLGB. A graduate of Cambridge University, Ruth has been involved in campaigning from her university days when she improved childcare provision and the representation of state school students. She then joined SCOPE, a leading disability charity, and has worked to improve disability discrimination legislation while coordinating with others in the sector to improve the lives and experiences of disabled and vulnerable people nationwide. In 2016, Ruth became the Deputy CEO and the Strategy Director of Girl Guiding UK, a fellow uniformed youth organisation in our Youth United family that does amazing work in inspiring and empowering girls and young women to gain a good start in life and provide them with access to valuable experiences. In November of 2019, Ruth was appointed as the CEO of the Duke of Edinburgh's award, and she has certainly hit the ground running especially while overseeing the DOV's response to the COVID-19 and lockdown. Speaking personally, I have completed my bronze and silver Duke of Edinburgh's award and during my gold I've had to adapt my plans, my physical, my volunteering due to the current situation and I am so excited and honoured to speak to Ruth this evening about a scheme so close to my heart and of course the hearts of thousands across the world who have gained, to a, who have gained access to a kosher and Shabbat friendly award through the provision JLGB have provided over the last 64 years since DV first started. And in the last six years alone, thanks to the support of the Pairs Foundation, JLGB have been able to support over 5,000 Jewish young people in taking part in their Duke of Edinburgh's award. Therefore, it is my absolute honour and privilege to welcome tonight's very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ruth Marvel. Good evening, Ruth. How are you? Very well, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you for such a, a lovely introduction. Um, I'm honoured to be here and honoured to be invited uh, to come and talk to you tonight. Thank you for coming. How has lockdown been treating you and how are you staying positive? 
Well, I think it's a bit, it's, it takes a while to get used to lockdown, doesn't it? And I think like everybody, it came quite suddenly. So you suddenly found yourself sort of normal life one week and then suddenly uh, um, a, a kind of a whole different world. I guess I've been, I've been, uh, I've adjusted reasonably well. I've got three kind of kids of my own. So I'm trying to balance homeschooling um, with trying to, to work. Um, and I was, uh, I think, uh, I think many people who uh, are now kind of adapting to the, the sort of homeworking are spending a lot of time on video chats like this. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I've, I've been trying to do the Joe Wicks workout, which is not always successful every day. Um, and, uh, but yeah, all in all, I think I'm, I'm coping okay with it. But I think probably like many of you, uh, I think the novelty is beginning to wear off and I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, to being able to get sort of out and about and, and start to kind of get back to, to some semblance of normality soon, I hope. Definitely. I think we, we're all so used to video chats now and lessons being online and uh, any interaction that we want is just being online now. And the novelty, like you said, is starting to wear off. So we are extremely pleased to have you here on our JLQ virtual programme. We've been boosting positivity and keeping children and their families active and healthy for 12 weeks now. This is show 41 since lockdown began with the help of a special guest this evening. Why do you think it was important for you to join us this evening? Well, I mean, for, for one, it's just a, it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity for me to, to talk to lots of young people and, um, and hear, I think, as well from you about kind of how you're coping with lockdown. And, and for those of you who are walking, working towards your, uh, your DAV award, uh, how, are you, how are you managing and, uh, and what kind of ideas have you done? We've seen so many brilliant sort of adaptations, as you were saying, people coming up with brilliant ideas to sort of work around the current sort of restrictions um so it's always brilliant for me to hear hear how people are, are kind of managing and, and hear some of the brilliant things that people are doing as part of their their award um and uh i guess it's uh, it's just always um it's always nice to um to sort of participate and talk to um sort of organizations like jlgb and kind of get a sense of of how uh, that people work very hard um, in terms of uh, organisations to to help young people work towards their award and all of the the, the guys that are supporting you in terms of DV managers to uh, to work towards it. Um, so it's always nice for me to hear from them as well. And and I suppose say thank you to, to everybody for all that they do to to make it, it possible for us to run our DV. Definitely, the DV managers you've met some of them behind the scenes as well, and they are absolutely fantastic, helping myself and all the other people, the youth that are involved with JLGBs. Duke of Edinburgh Awards, um, it, they're just amazing and they're helping us change our plans and our programmes to make sure we can still complete them. So we are all about acts of kindness here at JLGB, as you may have seen in our last session. So we always ask our guests what they've been doing to help others. You're involved in so many charities and your work it affects so many people volunteering wise, but is there a personal act of kindness that you do to help others during this pandemic? Uh, well, I suppose I have been very aware, I suppose like many of us, since we um, got into our uh, sort, of, sort of restrictions and lockdown um, of sort of people in my local community that need help. So I've been doing a sort of a range of things from sort of um, checking in on, on neighbours and making sure they're okay and whether they need, they need any help, um, as well as sort of supporting local organisations, charities, businesses, um, sometimes financially, sometimes with just sort of promoting what they're doing to kind of cope with the um, cope with the lockdown. So a range of different things, I guess. And then I suppose sort of more personally, just trying to keep my family and my friends sort of positive and 
um, I think you know don't underestimate just that what the power of a sort of phone call or a quick a quick chat or a text can do to just sort of keep people positive when particularly if they're on their own because it's a difficult it's a really difficult time I think to uh, to manage if you're you're entirely by yourself and then you and you can't get out to see people like normal definitely I think one thing that I can say personally I've been doing is every Sunday I've got an alarm on my phone and I make sure that I send a quick message to people that maybe I haven't spoken to um, in about six months, maybe longer. Um, I send them a quick message just to check in on them and their family because that's just one thing that we can all do. And I, I would personally recommend it because it does reconnect you and it's, it's fantastic. So we're going to go quickly back to the very, very beginning with you. So can you tell us a little bit more about your childhood growing up and youth op opportunities that you yourself had that helped shape you into the leader and amazing person that you are today uh, uh thank you for that um sure well i mean actually i um as a child i didn't get to do the duke of edinburgh's award which is a bit of a is a great uh, a sort of regret of mine um but i did have the opportunity to do i was i was part of the guides um and i did have an opportunity to do some of the things that that, that you do as part of um those sorts of youth organizations and and work towards um, while not the Duke of Edinburgh Award, do quite a lot of the things that the award includes. Um, and I think, so I remember things like um, we used to make, uh, at Guides, we used to make things like sort of presents and gifts for older, isolated people. And I used to go around and sort of sit with older people and deliver um, the, the sort of uh, the boxes that we'd made for them. And it was experiences like that where you have to put yourself out of your sort of comfort zone you have to go and see somebody that you don't know you have to think about somebody else's needs um those things sort of really resonate and i suppose stick with me as things which made me feel i suppose confident more confident to deal with unknown sort of situations more confident to talk to people i didn't know particularly people of a different generation um and I suppose interested and I've always been quite a curious person so it was always great to see sort of meet people that I, I didn't know and hear about the kind of their their life and their experience and of those sort of older people that I met I was always sort of blown away by the time I'd um, sort of finished speaking with them about kind of what insight you can get into how other people live and um, and I guess I mean another thing for me was I've always been a really keen traveller so I had quite a few opportunities as a young person to sort of go to other countries and to explore and to be having to be quite independent and sort of manage stuff for yourself. Um, and so I could, did some of that with school. I did some of that with guides um, and then some of that sort of as I got older on my own. Um, and I think I probably credit that as well with quite a lot of that sort of uh, um, curiosity and the want to and and seeing quite a lot of the world and the way in which different people live um, your colleagues were talking about it earlier um that just appreciation for the fact that you know you have we are incredibly fortunate um to uh, to live in the uk um there are you know people who are facing considerable kind of challenges young people children um whose lives are very different to ours so i think that whilst also giving me a bit of quite a sense of adventure and a desire to want to sort of get out and see as much of the world as possible and experience as much of the world as possible. Um, it also, I think, made me very sort of socially conscious and socially aware. And so um, I remember quite early on at secondary school thinking kind of um, 
I want to, you know, I want to, in terms of career, I want to do something where I'm helping other people. I had no idea that the job I actually went on to do existed um, so uh, at the time, but um, I'm glad I found it. Um, and I think a lot of those sort of formative experiences, they tell you a lot about, you know, what do you enjoy and what do you get out of them? They tell you a lot about um, what perhaps you're going to enjoy or be motivated by later in life. Definitely. I think travelling, the love for travelling is so important. And there were quite a lot of um, youth volunteers at JLGB and I'm sure many other organisations who were looking forward to a gap year, maybe going away somewhere um, and having these experiences. But unfortunately, plans have changed um, as well as DV plans have changed. So for those that don't know or are thinking about taking part in their Duke of Edinburgh's awards, can you tell us a bit more about it and why young people should not miss the opportunity, which un unfortunately you weren't able to, but can you tell us why the young people should not miss that opportunity? Sure. So um, if I say a little bit about sort of what the award sort of is and what you have to do, um, and then I'll talk a little bit about kind of why I see sort of how I see the sort of that, that those things kind of helping um, um, being, being really sort of beneficial for young people. Um, so the award is, is split into sort of three levels, um, bronze, silver and gold. Um, and you can start your bronze award when you're 14. Um, and that normally sort of coincides with you being in year nine at school. Um, and then silver and gold, 15, and you have to be 15 or 16 to do your gold. Um, at bronze and silver, there are four sections that you have to complete. So you have to do a, a volunteering um, section. You have to do six months of volunteering. Um, you have to do a physical section where you have to pick a sort of sport or physical activity that you want to try, either try for the first time or get better at. Um, you have to do a skill section, which is where you choose a skill that you either don't know how to do at all or um, you'd like to get better at. And then you work consistently doing a little bit every week um, towards getting better at one of those things. And the whole point of the award is that it's about you setting yourself a goal, sticking with it, and seeing how much you can improve and kind of how much you can develop in that time. Um, and the fourth component is an expedition. Um, and I don't know how many people on the call tonight have, have done their, have done an expedition. Um, but that's where you, uh, yeah, I can see some hands. Um, the, uh, that's the, um, so that's where you get to go um, with a, in a small group and um, you get to, to go on a, a kind of a hike. Essentially, you have to carry all of your things with you, all your food, a tent, sleeping bag, um, your water, and then you have to camp overnight um, or two nights for silver and three nights for gold. It gets harder as you get older. Um, and then you have to work as a team to really be able to kind of make sure that you navigate and don't get lost. Um, help each other when you're feeling sort of tired or when something goes wrong or someone someone told me they lost a boot once halfway through an expedition in, a, in the mud and so they had to do the hard rest of it with only one boot on um, so I think teamwork probably came into its own at that point um, so yeah you complete your four of those um, four sections for bronze and silver and then if you want to go on and do your gold you also have to do a residential you have to go away for a week with a group of people that you don't know um, and taken all together, those experiences are really fantastic for helping young people to develop your independence, to be able to get better at that sort of planning, picking a goal, sticking to it, and being able to be really proud of yourself when you've, when you've achieved it. Um, 
we talk a lot about sort of resilience at DV, sort of the idea that people are kind of good at overcoming, um, sort of dealing with things when things go wrong, because things do go wrong in life and they don't always kind of, nothing, things don't always happen as you might expect. So being able to say, okay, well that went wrong, what have I learned from it? Pick yourself up and keep going is a really fundamental and important skill that you know, it's really helpful to have as an adult. Um, so I think that that's what DOV is, is great at, sort of building people's confidence, helping convince you that even if you don't believe it yourself, you can prove to yourself that you can do things, you can hit your, set yourself a goal and hit it. You can do things. Lots of young people talk about the fact they've done things they never thought they'd be able to do. Um, and, and also I think it's great for being adaptable. And I think the world is changing so quickly at the moment that um, obviously we've had to be really adaptable in the face of the, the COVID outbreak, but um, you know, the world of work is changing really quickly. Um, the, uh, for those of us who are as old as I am, uh, you know, I grew up without a mobile phone, never mind a smartphone. The idea that, you know, you could walk around with a phone is a kind of, you know, I'm still slightly cutting, getting used to it. Um, but for you guys, the world is changing even more quickly. The sort of things that you can do with technology are extraordinary and they change every, you know, every year things get sort of, things change quite significantly. So being able to sort of adapt and to manage and sort of be okay with how quickly things change, I think is something that young people really, really need at the moment. And I think that's where sort of doing your DOV can really help you. It's also loads of fun. Um, and I hope sort of everybody who's done it, Jamie and uh, those of you who are sort of raising your hand to say that you've been on expedition sort of enjoyed it. That is the point. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be enjoyable, uh, not just, not just good for you. Definitely. Those expeditions were probably the greatest memories that I have. They were absolutely fantastic. Even on bronze when it's only, one evening you stay one night they were still absolutely fantastic and like you were saying all the skills that you learn are so transferable i know um sasha johnston who is a volunteer at jlgb absolutely fantastic he did magic as his skill and is now a professional magician wow so it shows exactly how far you can go and the skills you learn during your duke of edinburgh is absolutely fantastic um and like you were saying the challenges as well I know one of my friends on my bronze did the second day with a broken toe um, mm. and all loads of other friends that I've had that have done it have been lost in fields for hours and hours going around in circles. Um, but the skills that you learn are so, so transferable. So perhaps not for you anymore, but it's news for quite a lot of people. It's our first opportunity to wish you a muzzle tov on your appointment as the new CEO of the Duke of Edinburgh's award. Can you tell us why you wanted this role and prior to lockdown, which we're going to talk about afterwards. Um, what did you hope to achieve and what do you hope to achieve in the charity as its leader? Well, thank you very much for the muzzle tough. Um, I, um, so, I mean, I think the Duke of Edinburgh is a, it's a bit of a, it's, um, it's a sort of institution and a bit of a legend. So the, the, when the opportunity sort of came up to, to, to lead the Duke of Edinburgh's award, I, I sort of jumped at the chance. I've, uh, as you said, Jamie, I, I was a, um, I, I worked at Girl Guiding prior to that. So kind of youth um, organisations and helping support young people to develop and make sure that young people have the opportunities that they deserve um, to be able to um, learn and develop and grow up and kind of achieve sort of independence and do that in a way that where, you know, risk is kind of managed. 
um, it's really important to me. I said I've got three kids of my own, the eldest of whom is about to be 14, so kind of, you know, pressure's on that she has to enrol in the Duke of Edinburgh. Um, but, um, so I think just, just supporting young people, I, I mean, all of my career I've been in the charity sector and uh, um, it's, I've always wanted to work in organisations where there is a clear sort of purpose and mission to improve the world um, and sort of the Duke of Edinburgh's award is no different so it was just a real um, it was a great opportunity um, I think building on the work I'd done in the youth sector um, and, um, and with uh, JLGB as well um, to, uh, to, to sort of get an opportunity to lead the, the Duke of Edinburgh's award. Um, in terms of ambition I mean I think I think that the Duke of Edinburgh's award is a is such a power it's such a simple idea you know it's I've sort of explained sort of what it is it's, it's not rocket science um, but it's really effective and it because you can personalize it because young people can choose a whole you know sort of anything you can think of in terms of the sort of physical and skills that you'd like to develop you can create a really personalized experience for everybody and so um, I think my main Sort of ambition is to make sure that as many young people as possible have the opportunity to do this. I didn't get the chance, um, but interestingly, I went back to my old school actually, um, and now they do deliver DV. So I was quite pleased to uh, quite pleased to see that just before lockdown. Um, but also, I've always been a real, um, I suppose my, um, I've always been a real supporter and sort of advocate for and, and campaigner for social justice. So I'm particularly. Um, keen to make sure that young people who might face barriers to participating in the award or who might find it difficult to access the award that we work really hard to make sure um, that those young people have the same opportunities as others to be able to to do all of the things that I think are um, so sort of life-changing um, for, for, for young people. I think everybody should, I mean academic um, education is really important but developing yourself and investing in yourself and developing your sort of skills and working out what kind of person you are and what kind of person you want to be is just as important and I think that's sort of where so that's where I would like um, to take DV to be able to build on the success that we've had to, to date but to be able to, uh, to to reach even more young people and I think um, you mentioned the sort of lockdown Jamie and the you know the experiences that people are having I think opportunity you know this has been really hard on young people and it's you know a lot of the sort of structures and systems and support that young people rely on have been sort of stripped away very very quickly um and you know young people's opportunities to you know some of these rites of passage around exams and sort of you know leaving school have just sort of you know aren't going to happen um so i think um I think the Duke of Edinburgh Award also has a really important part to play in helping young people to make that sort of transition back to school whenever whenever that happens. Um, uh, and just helping sort of improve and support people's well-being, help to sort of develop the skills and the adaptability, I've said, and the sort of resilience that I think young people are going to need. Um, and are going to be even more so in the current situation and as we as we sort of ease out of it um, than ever before. So. Um, I suppose I'm thinking quite a lot at the moment about what else can we do to really help young people as we sort of transition back to some semblance of normality. I don't sure, I'm not sure we quite know what uh, what normal is going to look like uh, from at the moment. Definitely, normal is something that is definitely going to be changing, and we can't really say at the moment what that's going to be. But I'm sure we'll all come to 
come to accept that. Um, and like you were saying, opportunities don't come very often. So an opportunity like becoming the CEO of the Duke of Edinburgh's Awards um, and the opportunity to do your Duke of Edinburgh's Award just in general for all of the young people watching is something that you don't want to miss out on. Um, we have over 350 viewers currently on Facebook as well. So Amazing. this is going out to so, so many people. Um, so obviously COVID-19 <laughs> COVID has had a massive impact on all of us, um, but particularly face-to-face -face youth programmes. We, of course, launched our JLGB virtual programme 12 weeks ago, and we're delighted so many young people have been adapting their DOV through our offer and ensuring that they can continue to take part. My hosting for one is my volunteering now. Doing it once a week is my volunteering for my um, gold award. Um, and as well, if you join twice, we've got those physical sections. We've got aerobics with Joe like we did earlier. So these are fantastic ways JLGB are providing um, a way to keep going with these activities. Um, so you recently launched DV with a difference um, and also the section certificates and several other temporary adaptions to the award. Can you tell us a bit more about the impact COVID-19 has had on the Duke of Edinburgh's awards? I'm sure this wasn't exactly how you imagined spending your first few months as the CEO. So can you tell us a bit more about the, the initiatives that you've launched to help the participants and how you've adapted this programme? Sure, it was, I mean, it, it certainly wasn't the kind of the first sort of six months I expected, but I was, you know, I like a challenge. So kind of, I suppose I, I got what I wanted uh, in one way or another. Um, yeah, so we've been doing lots at DOV to try and um, make sure that everybody doing their DOV can keep keep going with it. We thought right at the beginning when this happened, um, we thought the most important thing for us is to make sure that young people can carry on working towards their award, particularly when, you know, everybody gets sort of sent home from school and has to stay at home. The sort of the structure and the focus and, you know, giving yourself something kind of positive to do, we thought is, is even more important now. So we developed some ideas and actually, I mean, we've taken a lot of ideas from our participants, from organisations that deliver DOV to help us think about all of the different ways you can keep working towards your award while you're at home. Um, and Jamie, you said you've been adapting kind of the things that you did uh, to work towards your gold award because um, obviously a lot of the things that people were doing did rely on being able to go out and meet other people or kind of play in sports teams that you're not allowed to do at the moment. Um, so Although it's been quite sort of obviously disruptive for everybody, I've just been kind of really overwhelmed with how creative people have been. And we've seen some really phenomenal, um, both sort of creative sort of ways of working around the sort of lockdown, but also just people doing some absolutely extraordinary things for their communities. So people setting up kind of, you know, doing food collections, delivering sort of um, parcels to vulnerable and elderly neighbours, uh, people manufacturing their own masks and their own sort of protective visors and giving them out in care homes. Somebody who was playing used to go into a care home and play the piano and is now doing sort of Zoom piano concerts online for the people people in a, a local care home. So um, it's been fantastic to see people just, I think, adapt and adjust to, to this sort of new normal and demonstrate their kind of creativity um, and do just some fantastic things to give back to their community and really support people um, at where, you know, at this really quite sort of, you know, it's quite a challenging time for everybody. Um, obviously, the, the expedition is a bit of a problem at the moment. Um, so we have done a number of things just to try and help um, 
young people and organizations obviously we have to make sure that we are being safe um, and that we aren't putting people at risk so we have set out some sort of changes to the way that um, we can we can run expeditions just to help be able to hopefully catch up a little bit once the restrictions are lifted and once the schools kind of return um, so we're expecting to see a few more winter expeditions and people making use of kind of um, indoor accommodation rather than necessarily camping if it's a bit cold. Um, we've also been running a really, um, we, we run DOV in um, young offenders institutions and um, prisons. Um, and we have already actually had to adapt the expedition to enable young people who aren't allowed to leave um, their prison or, or kind of young offenders institution to do their award. Um, to do their expedition so we're also borrowing some of the ideas and the sort of you know the sort of creative workarounds that we've used there to give um our centers sort of different options for how they might how they might run an expedition um but i guess we also we recognize that for some young people it might just might not be possible to do an expedition this year and so to make sure that we recognize young people's um, achievements. We are introducing uh, what we're calling the 2020 Certificate of Achievement. So any young person that has completed their three of their sections, not the expedition, not the expedition um, will be able to um, get a certificate um, of achievement to recognise the fact that they have, have achieved, um, finished those sections under a degree of kind of adversity <laughs> given the current um, circumstances, because it's really important to me that we you know, we recognise and reward young people for doing like fantastic things and particularly for being so resilient and adaptable in the face of kind of, you know, what's been uh, a sort of completely unprecedented sort of situation for all of us. Definitely. I personally never knew that um, the Duke of Edinburgh's award was run in prisons and young offenders institutes. That is something amazing that I've learned today about the Duke of Edinburgh's awards. Um, and like you said, relying on leaving the house was so, so vital to lots of us i had to change all three of my sections because i can't leave the house anymore um so the what you've provided with these section certificates and how you can complete your three or four sections in the case of gold um and you get that recognition because it is such an important part of it um and my expedition was meant to be done in april um and unfortunately it was just um when the lockdown began so um we we're really really upset about that but We've all been keeping our morale high and we're really, really excited for when we can do it again. But as you said, safety does come first. Yeah. So now we've got some questions from our audience members. Um, right. Some have sent in questions beforehand. So we've got some people to ask them. And if you guys in the audience do have any questions, if you're on Facebook, then you can email us. Um, I don't know if you can write in the comments. You can email us or send us those questions that you've got. Um, if you're on Zoom, put your hand up wave at the camera and we'll try and come to you if we have time but we have lots and lots of questions so we want to make sure we push through so the first question we have is from joel hi joel um so recently we were privileged to interview baroness baron uh, the minister of civil society that is responsible for young people with guests from our various youth united uh, network members um you are involved for several years girl guiding a fantastic organization and a member of the youth united network uh, why do you think organisations that form part of the Youth United Network, such as JLGB, Girl Guiding, Scouts, St John's Ambulance and the Boys Brigade, are such an important part of young people's lives? And what values do you think it instils which may have prepared them for the current crisis? 
and do you think that their work is truly appreciated? Great question. Um, well, I think, I mean, I think probably the, the, uh, the, the, the benefit and value of organisations like JLDB, Girl Guiding, etc. is hopefully really well appreciated by, by everybody here and on this call. I think um, this is uh, what, what these organisations provide is what kind of you, we, we would call in the, in the sort of jargon speak, non-formal education. This is about, so, so this isn't about following a sort of academic curriculum it's about learning by doing things by being with your peers um, and um, it's just an absolutely invaluable way of building relationships learning how to kind of get along with people and work in a team all of the sort of skills that are absolutely essential to to sort of being an adult um, uh, but also the kind of I think the curiosity and the diversity of the things that these organizations like support young people to do um, getting into the outdoors developing skills that support people's independence being able to kind of solve problems and uh, and cooperate with others they are um, and they also provide I think a really a sort of safe and nurturing space for young people to be able to sort of fail sometimes it's sort of uh, failing and kind of getting things wrong is part of life it's part of growing up and it's part of learning but it's really important that you can do that in a safe well supported kind of environment um so i think probably i'd say no i think probably these organizations aren't really appreciated for for, for what they do and also the fact that most of these organizations are supported by almost entirely by volunteers um, so if I take sort of girl guiding as an example, you know, there were 100,000 adult volunteers sort of that essentially made it made it work without them. It couldn't exist. And Scouts is the same and GLGB will be similar. Um, so I don't think they're appreciated in that sense, in terms of the, you know, the real kind of value and the, the sort of the extent to which those people hold communities together and give you know, generation upon generation of young people these fantastic opportunities, exposing people to things that they might never have understood or seen before. Um, and as Jamie was saying, you know, sometimes you discover something that you might never have had a chance to kind of experience before and you decide that's the thing that I'm gonna spend the rest of my life doing, like the, sort of, you know, the, uh, the, the person that discovered magic. And so I think that these organizations are just a, a real gift and we have to work really hard to make sure that we don't lose them and that the value of them is is really understood and so i guess encouraging everybody who's part of one of these organizations to sort of um help those by giving back by kind of volunteering if you can encouraging others to, to participate because uh, i think they're um they're sort of um they're very very special and and we we want to make sure we protect them so you know many more young people can benefit from them brilliant thank you so much for that answer Thank you, Joel, for your question. Um, so now we have another question for you coming from Bev. Hi, Bev. Hello. Um, so the CEO of NCVO, Carl Wilding, has been campaigning tirelessly for more support for charities, for which lots more has been announced in recent weeks. But um, not much has been specifically said about the support from the government for youth organisations. Um, so I'm aware that you're involved in the Back Youth campaign, um, which is an alliance across the youth sector. 
Um, what more would you like to see the government do to support youth organisations to ensure that there are no further closures um, and that organisations like um, DV, JLGB and others can continue to support young people in this difficult time and also afterwards? Great question. Um, I could probably talk about this for hours, uh, but I won't. Um, the, uh, well, I mean, I think as, as I sort of, I think, as I said, sort of in answer to Joel's question, the kind of the, the, the value of youth organisations in the youth space, in the youth sector, many of which are charities and sort of entirely or partially sort of run by volunteers, are so fundamental to delivering kind of positive opportunities and, and sort of uh, support to young people. Um, that I think, uh, I think sometimes that the sort of the government doesn't quite appreciate the role, um, particularly that, that organisations like these play in, um, sometimes in kind of, you know, sort of, they fall between the cracks in some, in, in quite a lot of sort of government services, and they're providing really important um, support to young people at times of crisis or, or in terms of supporting young people's um, development. So. I think you know Carl is entirely right to, to point out that actually the, the charity sector is a is quite a, a specific group of organizations um, and charities sadly are often struggle for money or you know often um, find it difficult to secure sort of consistent stable funding so I think there's sort of two issues here one is essentially making sure that um, government help is available to ensure that organizations like that charitable organisations can survive the, the current the sort of short-term problems. Um, and I think there's one issue around, we have, you know, the furlough arrangements, which are great in terms of allowing organisations to, to sort of furlough workers and the government will sort of cover their salaries. Um, but for charities, most of us want our staff to be able to work because they're delivering really important services to young people. So things like, you know, a furlough scheme where people could continue to volunteer or work for their charitable organisation would have been nice to see. Um, but I think longer term, it's also about making sure that these organisations are continue to be there to support young people. As I was saying earlier, that, you know, I think the transition back to out of kind of lockdown is going to be really tricky and you know it's going to sort of be emotionally difficult it's going to be people have been away from each other for a long time and obviously there might be longer term implications so it's not just making sure that organizations that are really fundamental to supporting young people don't sort of sort of not survive this but it's also just making sure that that support that young people are going to need even more um than normal um is there and waiting uh, for them when uh, when when we're all sort of uh, we're able to uh, get out and about a bit more. Thank you very much. Thank you Beth for your question. Um, so now we have another question from one of our youth volunteers who um, has been hosting a lot recently. His, uh, Josh, how are you? Hi, I'm good thanks, yeah. Um, so Ruth, really nice to hear from you. Thank you for coming on. Um, this pandemic has been really awful, um, obviously for the, particularly for the elderly and those of high risk. Um, but also following recent updates and knowing that many of us won't be going back to school anytime soon um, and sort of a lot of uncertainty around exams and university plans. Um, this kind of has a serious toll on young people's mental health. Do you think enough focus is being given to young people in their mental health at this time? 
Josh, I think you're completely right that, I mean, and I've been pleased to see that mental health feels like it's being talked about more and more. Um, but um, I agree that um, there's probably at the moment a bit too much of conversation on how are we going to help people catch up academically in terms of the school that they've missed and not enough on focusing on how are we going to make sure that we really support um, and nurture young people's well-being. We know that, you know, there's, there's masses of research that will say that, you know, people who feel kind of happy and um, are much, much more likely to be able to, to study. So I think, you know, we absolutely have to see these two things as being equally important and that helping young people to adapt back to a sort of a, what will likely be quite a strange school routine, even in September, I think, um, at the way things are going, um, helping to prepare for that and helping young people um, and I'd say, you know, DV is a great sort of sort of program to follow that, you know, kind of complements some of that academic study and yet helps people sort of build back up those sort of peer relationships that, that have been, you know, sort of somewhat sort of ripped asunder in the last uh, few months. Um, but also helping to work on things like, you know, physical well-being, sort of um, things that are motivational and, you know, setting goals and achieving them, which helps people feel kind of motivated and positive and like they can, you know, they can achieve things is going to be really, really important. And I've been really heartened to hear some of our leaders, sort of DOV leaders talking about using DOV as, as a sort of, um, as a tool to help young people kind of adapt um, and sort of manage and think about some of the, you know, what the experience has been like of being sort of in, in lockdown and having so much of your kind of um, normal day-to-day -day routines and the social um, engagement that, that is so important for young people being, being sort of uh, taken away so abruptly. Um, so I think it's a really important thing and, and it's important that we keep talking about mental health. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's something that it's easy for people to sort of, you know, not disclose and not share. Um, but, you know, it's really important that we talk about it. Um, and that we support our friends and and the people that we, we know to uh, you know when they're having a difficult time Thank you very much Thanks, Josh. Thank you Josh for your question. Um, so now we have another question for you from Louis Hi Ruth. Hi Louis. Um, my question is GeoG has many programs uh, that support young people of all abilities uh, such as DV of course and we always adapt um, expeditions to support uh, children from highest orthodoxy level in the Jewish community, but also those with physical and learning difficulties. Um, you were involved uh, in this work with SCOPE for many years, but following on from the previous questions, it's been reported that people with disabilities have been forgotten about during lockdown. Uh, so what more do you think needs to be done um, to sort of bring people with disabilities um, into sort of these kind of adapted programs who may be struggling to access them? I think that's a that's a great question, and I think you're you're right that that um, some people with disabilities have definitely been affected, like very significantly by by the lockdown. Um, I mean, I think we are always constrained in some ways because of the current circumstances in terms of the op the options that we've got um, for uh, you know engaging, communicating um, with uh, with people if we're if we're stuck with kind of having to use virtual um, technology, it doesn't always work for everybody. But I think, I mean, I think from my time at, at Scope, um, and it's something that 
I've always been quite I've always been sort of passionate about and I think I uh, I loved my job at Scope because I um, it gave me such a fantastic and important insight into the kind of the experience of what it is like to be disabled and how sort of disabledist our society is and how thoughtless it is about how you include and make sure that you design things that are inclusive of everybody. It was a really important sort of learning experience for me um, and one I'll never forget. So I think, um, I think all kind of young people's organizations, all programs should be always mindful of the fact that not everybody accesses things in the way that you do you know not everybody is the same as me everybody you know we need to think we need to talk and engage with a whole range of different people to make sure that the things that we develop um, are inclusive that we understand how to adapt them to meet the rate the, a wide range of different people's needs because um i mean certainly you know the the benefits of making sure that everybody is included far outweigh the kind of the challenges of adapting things, I think, to um, to, to achieve that, um, and yeah, I think uh, I think we've seen similar um, in some ways. The Black Lives Matter movement that has been so sort of prominent over the last few weeks is, you know, it's another example of that sort of perspective of making sure that you're taking the time to consider what somebody else's experience is like because it's not the same as yours. Um, and it's really important that we bear that in mind and we take sort of proactive steps to kind of educate ourselves and and think about the fact that, you know, we're not all the same. Um, and, you know, the things that we think or the things that we do and the things that are kind of natural to us are not necessarily the same for somebody else. And so, you know, we need to take the time to learn and, uh, and reflect on that to make sure that, you know, we're not um, either sort of unwittingly or um, deliberately sort of excluding people. Thank you very much. Thank you, Louis. Thank you, Louis. Um, so we have six questions left from, from, so we're gonna basically quick fire as quick as we can. We've got a really, really quick one from Benjamin. Hello, Ruth. Hello, hello. Hi, Benjamin. Are you okay? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, Duke of Edinburgh recently had his 90th birthday. It's a massive happy birthday yeah. to him, all. And um, the Earl of Wessex has taken on a lot more um, of the programme in the recent years. But, did the GV have anything to, to celebrate the Duke's birthday and have had a chance to talk to him since becoming CEO? And if so, what's he like? I've never met him, sadly. Um, because he stepped down from public life at sort of in 2017, he now essentially is, a, is I guess, sort of retired from, from, uh, from public life. So sadly, no, I have not met him, but I did send him a birthday card earlier in the week. Um, and I do, yeah, it's, I'm, we're very fortunate that the Earl of Wessex is a very sort of active and supportive um, uh, of the organisation, he sits on our board of trustees. Um, so I've had the I have had the opportunity uh, to meet him, and he's a he's a great supporter of, of the award. So uh, um, it's great to have such you know such strong support from uh, uh, from from both of them. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Benjamin, for your question. Um, we've got a couple of young volunteers who have been waiting really really eagerly to ask their questions. So we have a question from Talia. Hi, Talia. Hi, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So my question is that 
expeditions are such a large part of the Duke of Edinburgh's awards and for many the iconic image that symbolises the challenge of the bronze, silver and gold awards. Obviously we've all been grounded and expeditions are on hold for the moment but can you give us a hint or an idea of when we may be able to start walking again or what alternatives you are coming up with in case we are in lockdown for some time to come? And as lockdown eases, do you think that we will be able to go out and do expeditions safely in the coming months? And if not, what else do you think might be allowed for us? Uh, well, I sadly, I can't give you a kind of a date as to when we might be allowed to, uh, to, to resume expeditions. Um, we have to rely, I'm afraid, on the government to sort of tell us um, uh, when they believe it will be safe for different types of activities to take place. But we are obviously watching carefully and uh, keeping up to date with all the briefings and working with the youth, the wider youth sector um, to make sure that people have the information that they need to be able to adapt um, what we're doing um, as the kind of, you know, the, the lockdown eases, hopefully. Um, I sort of think I said earlier about some of the things that we're trying in terms of different sort of ways yeah. of doing expeditions. Um, and um, we uh, we hope all all being well that kind of you know once we get in the into next year that you know we'll we'll be able to uh, to resume sort of expeditions proper uh, over the sort of the, the spring and summer period. Um, but um, yeah, as I said, the sort of we've got we've, we've sort of introduced our, our sort of certificate of achievement to recognise young people's yeah. achievements before um, expeditions and. Um, Obviously, everybody sort of people, like from you know JLDB's perspective, and you know it's lots of schools deliver DV. Everybody's going to be sort of keeping an eye on their the, the guidelines and the rules that are sort of govern their particular um, type of organisation. Uh, but yeah, obviously, it's really disappointing that we can't we can't get out, but we have to be safe and we have to make sure that we're not putting people at unnecessary risk. Um, so hopefully, we can people can stay kind of um, kind of keep themselves focused on the other three sort of all four uh, sections um, and then uh, we will get back up and running as soon as we as soon as it's safe to do that cool thank you so much right sorry i haven't got better news <laughs> thank you telly for your question um, and like you said staying safe is is the most important factor i know myself and loads of others we want that expedition we want to do that experience um but especially for a gold expedition in the mountains um for four days just isn't possible at the moment so Stay safe, everyone, um, essentially. So we have a question from another Talia. Hi, Talia. Hello. Hi. Uh, so I have a few questions to, so firstly, um, as a pioneering woman in the third sector, you have trailblazed the way for future young women to follow in your footsteps. So can you tell us a little bit about your experiences and how things may have changed for women in the sector? What more do you think we need to do? And do you have any, any advice for young women that you wish you knew when you started? Good question. Well, I think, I think things for kind of, I think things in some ways for women in the workplace have changed a lot. I think in other ways, perhaps we are still facing the same challenges and the same sort of, um, Kind of key issues that, that we faced for for a long time, but I guess um, I guess I would say in terms of advice, I would say to everybody, um, do what you love. 
sort of try enough things to work out what that is and then you know go for it because if you want to be you know i think to be motivated by something is to is essentially to mean that you'll want to put in the effort you'll want to kind of go the extra mile and you'll want to um commit to whatever it is you're doing so it really helps if you really like it um and so i guess going back to that sort of point i was sort of making earlier about being curious i was just sort of you know stay curious try everything that kind of you get the opportunity to try because you never know whether that thing that looked a bit strange is actually the thing that is going to be your um you know the thing that you know you can't believe life you know life existed without um i mean i think there are lots of sort of structural reasons for why um, it's still more challenging for women in the in the workplace. It's still more challenging for women to get into senior roles. Um, and some of those are to do with, um, you know, the fact that roles that sometimes that women are more like careers that women are more likely to choose get paid less well. Um, so um, Sort of caring work, clerical work, work in the charity sector um, is uh, you know, are just in structural terms paid less than other types of jobs, and women are more likely to go into those. Um, so I I would always advise people to like you know think as broadly as you can, experience, talk to as many people as you can about the kinds of things they do and what what what. There are so many different types of jobs, and so um, when I when I left university, I think um, I had no idea that the job I I got even existed. I didn't know you could do that for a charity. I started as a campaigns officer, essentially campaigning on behalf of disabled people um, and, and with disabled people to change the law to make kind of disabled, to enshrine disabled people's rights in law. When I started working at Scope, um, you were, disabled people had very few rights in education. You could just be denied an education and we changed that. And I'm incredibly proud of that. And um, so, but I didn't know you could, you know, you could have a job doing that. So definitely be curious. And I think if things like, you know, the Me Too movement have been incredibly sort of important as like a watershed because it's not okay anymore to discriminate against people. It's not okay to harass people. It's like, and if it happens, you've got to speak up and you've got to. So things like discrimination and inequality, sadly, they are still with us, but I think we are making kind of we're making good some good progress but we've got to be vigilant um and as with any sort of minority or sort of you know group that, that is more likely to be discriminated against or treated less fairly um we have to remain vigilant and we have to call it out when we see it and we have to support each other that's the other important thing so not not sort of buy into any sort of stereotypes about you know who can and can't do things and um and I guess the other the other important thing I would say is that I still think that um, the the disproportionate burden that kind of child of childcare that is placed on women does still materially disadvantage women in the workplace, and we've we've got to sort that out in terms of a more equal sort of sharing of uh, of responsibilities. And until we do that, we're still going to have quite a lot of these these issues. I think. Thank you. Thank you, Talia. Um, so for JLGB members and DV participants all around the world, like so many other young people, volunteering, youth social action and helping others is just a part of our DNA. But right now we're all snookered in this situation together. So how do you think young people can get back to 
face-to-face -face volunteering safely as lockdown is eased. And when we had Baroness Diana Barron on um, in the past few weeks, she said that the youth are imperative in the country getting back to what normal was or what normal will become. So what role do you think that us as young people will have in returning to whatever normal might now be? Well, I hope a really, really big one, because I would say one of the specific things that challenges that we are facing in respect of um, COVID is that it's impacting older people more. More older people are, having, are going to have to be careful and more vigilant for longer. Now, that group of, of, of people represents the vast majority of volunteers in the UK. So we're going to need people to step up and kind of stand in for the people that we have relied on until now. And I think young people are an absolute sort of force for good. You bring this sort of energy and dynamism and commitment. Um, and obviously we have to keep maintain, sort of keep, keep, uh, keep safe and we have to kind of keep as far as we can keep abreast of kind of all the government guidelines and kind of so we don't put ourselves or other people at unnecessary risk but I think young people have got an enormous role to play and I think young people are already showing what what you can do um the, the creativity the kind of you know these sort of smaller as you say acts of kindness go a hugely long way but there's there's um everybody can do something I think someone said earlier no matter how small everybody can do something um so the most important thing is to sort of keep a lookout for the things that you can do. Don't get too, you know, overwhelmed or worried about not being able to fix everything. Nobody can do that. We have to work, you know, we have to work as a team. Um, but the bigger the team and, and the more kind of, you know, aware we are of what other people might need and how we can help um, and how our sort of skills or kind of, you know, match the sort of needs that, that people present, um, the better. But I'm, I'm very optimistic for young people. I think young people have got an enormous role to play and, um, actually, this particular situation means that, you know, young people are needed more than more than ever. And I suppose I, one of the things that I want to do through DAV and through other youth organisations is make sure that we are supporting young people to be able to, to do that um, and making it as easy and um, uh, as possible for you. Because I know that, you know, it's that the, the level of sort of talent and commitment and energy is, in, is incredible and um, we need to make sure we don't waste it. Definitely. As a young person myself, I would say I want all of the young people to have that impact on the world going back to what it was, because we're a part of JLGB. We're not, some of us individually aren't well known, but now, especially tonight on 720 viewers currently on Facebook, um, which is one of our highest number of viewers. So this is going out to so many people and we're so proud. This is brought to you by the youth and by young people and young volunteers so thank you everyone for watching and we hope you're enjoying it we've got just a few more questions for you um so these are unprecedented times as we've all mentioned it's a situation we've never been in and we never want to be in again um and the physical and the mental and the mental health and economic impacts may affect all of us from time to time um but what do you have hope for for the future what positives do you think will come out of the situation I, I guess things that I'm seeing and sort of experiencing are one is just, you know, human beings are incredibly creative and adaptive, no matter how kind of crazy the situation we are confronted with, people adapt. 
And I think we've seen that and it gives me real kind of optimism and hope that, you know, no matter how difficult some of these challenges are, um, you know, we are fantastic at supporting each other and uh, kind of thinking our way around things and coming up with creative ways of either, you know, this, you know, this, this whole kind of, uh, um, sort of your, your kind of weeknight meetings are, you know, is a, is a sort of a really fantastic example of that creativity. It was like, well, we're not going to stop. We're just going to do it differently. And it's, it's brilliant to see. Um, and then I think the other is that I'm hopeful that, you know, out of this, we emerge a kind of a kinder and more considerate and aware society. I think, um, I think people are more conscious of each other. They're more aware of each other's needs and that, you know, people are, you know, people need help and we want to help. I mean, you see, you just have to sort of see the, the number of people who volunteered to help with the NHS and have kind of, you know, done, gone, gone above and beyond to support each other at this point, whether that's inside your own family or, um, kind of in a wider community you've seen um, you've seen people I think really sort of recognize that actually you know we're, we're stronger together and we need to we need to help each other so I'm hoping that from that you know we emerge perhaps a less sort of individualistic and less you know less worried about ourselves and our you know stuff and a bit more kind of worried about and engaged with each other um, that would be my my hope and I'm sort of seeing those like green shoots I hope we can kind of keep sort of nurturing them because um, we uh, I think we, we arguably we've lost we lost a little bit of that and this I think is perhaps an opportunity for us to sort of reset and reconsider what's important. Definitely I think personally I'm so just so proud to be a part of an organisation doing what we're doing reaching the amount of people we are and improving the lives of as many people as we can it is fantastic what we as JLGB are doing and yeah. I, I'm, I am just so proud of um, like everyone and all the volunteers as well because it is a lot faced by young people and you see a young host every night so the work that all these hosts are doing and everyone behind the scenes as you've met um, previously the work is amazing and it's so so hard to like just show appreciation so finally you've been absolutely fantastic this evening we always ask our guests to nominate or ask another celebrity or community leader to be a future guest on our program and help entertain all the young people and children that are stuck at home with their families. So if you've enjoyed tonight's experience, and we really, really hope that you have done, is there anyone that you would like to nominate? I know the Duke of Edinburgh himself, perhaps, maybe not um, if you've not met him, but um, is there anyone that you think you would like to nominate? Well, I think, I mean, I think there are, there are lots of inspiring people and you said very kind words about me, Jamie, and I think I probably don't deserve those, but, um, but I mean, I guess if I were being sort of, in, in terms of the people that I, since I've started my, my sort of role at, at DV, some of the people that I have been most inspired by are some of our other young participants like yourself who have kind of, you know, compared conferences and kind of have done really incredible things and demonstrated that, you know, age is definitely not a barrier to being, you know, to being able to do. So um, there's a couple of young people who I would, I would nominate um, who are from Scotland who did an absolutely phenomenal job of, uh, um, of affronting our uh, kind of a recent DAV conference before we all weren't allowed to be together anymore. Um, so I might I might nominate them because I think they've got they've got great stories to tell and also I think it's sometimes you know you 
can look at sort of people as being having to be sort of old to be inspirational and i don't i don't think that's true i think you've got you know there are plenty of uh uh of young people who have got just as much to uh uh to offer and i think you've got, you've got indeedy coming next week or tomorrow yes we have her tomorrow night um excellent she's great so uh um i don't know if that's a bit of a cop-out of your question but uh that's no that's perfectly fine thank you so much for joining us this evening and inspiring all of us as a proud dv participant myself and know and i know so many proud participants who i'm counting this very interview towards my gold volunteering section so please relay our tremendous thanks um, back to everyone at um duke of edinburgh's awards hq in windsor for all the amazing opportunities and everything that you are doing to help so many young people um and particularly the understanding and the support that you are providing um, especially for JLGB over the last 60 years um, to ensure the faith and culturally sensitive um, Duke of Edinburgh's award provision has been available to all the Jewish young people throughout our schools, um, to JLGB members as well and many partner organisations who we had on a few weeks ago. Good luck, stay positive for all of us as well during these times, stay safe and we really hope to see you again soon. Thank you, Jamie, and it was my absolute privilege to join you tonight, so thank you for inviting me, and uh, I will return the thanks to JLGB and to, to everybody who, uh, who helps to support and is working towards their award. Good luck, I'm rooting for, for all of you. Thank you very, very much. So that is it for this evening. Thank you to everyone for tuning in, um, and yet again being a part of the incredible history that we are creating. Thank you so much for listening to Jersey Virtual. We are live. Take care of yourselves and stay safe and we shall see you again soon.